Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, where we are vibing with the book, 10 minutes at a time or so. The next or so minutes, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 5 through 14. And I just want to give a shout out back to season one movers. Have you read it? Have Have you you read read it? it? You know, we recognize that a lot of you guys are not in a place where you can read it. I'm thinking specifically about the car. We don't want you to read it while you're listening to this Mm -hmm. in the car. But shout out to something that you and I were just vibing out to just a second ago. Our homies over at Streetlight. Streetlight app. Wherever you're getting your audio Bible, I want to also give a shout out to Dwell. Because Dwell was one of those people kind of to sponsor us in a previous uh, season. But listen, Bible apps. Awesome. Read them. Listen to them. However you get the Bible, it's like, this is one of those things I was telling my students at the Digital Missionary Academy. One of the things that we believe is that it's the scriptures, it's the gospel that has mm-hmm. power. The, 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 the vehicle through which we communicate it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's the message. Dwell mm-hmm. on the message. Vibe with the message. Move mm-hmm. through the book mm-hmm. in whatever way you can. So whatever check you them can. out. Yes. Um, what I want to look at in today's episode, it, 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 it highlighted a question that I've often had about the scriptures. Okay. And the, the, the question is, how did they know? Like when I look at this, there's several different- How are they going to know? Yeah. How, how did they know? Um, how are they going to know? Uh, when, uh, when I see Bible writers and authors quoting scripture, and I would refer back to that Old Testament passage that they're referring to because they never quote from, or they hardly ever quote from the New Testament because- hasn't been written yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions I often had is like, how do they know that that's supposed to apply to Jesus? I get when Jesus is like, yo, remember Jonah? Mm-hmm. That's me. Mm-hmm. I get that because mm-hmm. he told us that. Mm-hmm. But when I see there's, uh, to my to my writing, maybe there were seven. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's actually the number it has correctly divided, but I think there's seven quotations mm-hmm. in this section of, uh, of Hebrews. And I'm wondering like, how did the author, how did whoever wrote this book know that these passages were meant to be tied to Jesus? Because there's there's a local context. It would seem like it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's referring to David at some times. Mm-hmm. Other times it's referring to just some future tense, you know, figure or whatever the case mm-hmm. is. But how? How do we know that they're not just pulling these scriptures out of a hat? Like some of my friends and I used to do in our early days of ministry mm-hmm. when we had proof text mm-hmm. 
to get to a conclusion that we already had rather than letting the teaching of scripture emerge from itself. Mm -hmm. So one of the places that we can go is first Peter one 11, I believe is a place that we can see how this might have worked or is at work. So first Peter one 11 con well, start with verse 10 concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. So in the same way that Jesus makes an appeal to the Old Testament and says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have life, but they are they which testify of me. Mm. He's making an appeal to that scriptures were actually pointing to him. Mm -hmm. But then first Peter illuminates and instructs us that, hey, the Spirit of God was working on these men of old as they were the penmen for the scriptures, because the author is finally God, right? That's our whole idea. But as they are actually writing down the scriptures, there is something meta at work, and that is the story of the great revelation of the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Logos, Jesus Christ. And so that in that same spirit that the things were written, it's that same spirit that then illuminates back hmm. to actually indicate to say, hey, these things were of Christ. So the way we ground it and root it, as I believe and understand, is through the inspiration and illumination of the spirit within these men to actually go back to the text and write down that which is actually about Jesus. So I, I heard two things. Yep. One, the whole story about the Bible is about Jesus. One, yep, there you go. Uh, or at least leads to Jesus. Yep. And the second thing is that the same Holy Spirit who wrote the original Old Testament or yep. who inspired the men of God <laughs> to write the Old is also inspiring this author to direct us to the person of Jesus via these texts. Yeah, and there is a internal sort of attestation or internal verification uh, of the text themselves that they agree and concur which that which has come before, hmm. right? So not only in that they point to Jesus, mm -hmm. but also in the community that actually receives the Holy Spirit, there is an agreement that, in fact, the way that we are now interpreting the text is in keeping an integrity with the revelation of Jesus mm. so that there is this reinforcement of the narrative that has been, that it's about Jesus, right? Yep. And this community that received the Holy Spirit is actually seeing and illuminating it. And then Hebrews actually teaches us this, but like, uh, or in the book of Acts as well, like God gave the Holy Spirit powerful signs and wonders that mm. actually attested to that he was at work in these people. And then this is helpful because we've all come across that crazy person mm -hmm. who claims to be moving by the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. but it's very clear, at least at least it has felt very clear. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're under the influence of a, of a more familiar spirit, of a different spirit, mm -hmm. perhaps, but maybe not the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, that what they are pointing to mm -hmm. as the claim by the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. is still in agreement with mm -hmm. the rest of the narrative. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's that famous line that you and I would have used dozens and dozens of times to the law and to the prophets, to the testimonies, right? Mm -hmm. If they are not in line with them, there is no light in them. Right. Line upon line, precept upon precept. So this idea that scripture agrees with itself but scripture also points to jesus and those who reveal those whom the holy spirit reveals jesus to right mm -hmm. um it it agrees with that which has come before mm. 
Right. So there's a very real sense in if I'm sitting in the secret place and I believe that Jesus or the Holy Spirit, rather, if the Holy Spirit is teaching me and guiding me, as is our birthright, mm-hmm. as sons and daughters of God, mm-hmm. that when I am receiving a revelation, mm-hmm. it is very important for us to check it against the the story, the trajectory, mm-hmm. and the history of the sacred text mm-hmm. because God never contradicts himself. He mm-hmm. doesn't lie. He mm-hmm. always is in keeping with the same same message. Mm-hmm. But it is true that in the same way that the writer of Hebrews was inspired as he is, mm-hmm. he or she, mm-hmm. we're, we're going mm-hmm. off the theory that it was mm-hmm. that it was Paul, uh, that, that as he is studying the scriptures, that the spirit is directing him and guiding him, that same experience that he mm-hmm. had while organizing mm-hmm. Hebrews is mm-hmm. one that I could have for myself. Absolutely. And then to really, uh, when we get to this question of Paul, because somebody might say, well, you know, so much of the New Testament is written by Paul. How can we trust that he was the one correct interpreter, right? Sure, sure. But if you actually find what the text says uh, uh, in reference to, like, say, someone like Luke, who mm-hmm. wrote the book of Luke and actually interviewed and uh, accounted for these things in the book of Acts, interviewed, accounted for these things, you see the testimony that Paul, after he has his uh, experience on the Damascus Road, he goes back and contends, argues, dialogues with Jews according to Scripture. Uh, yeah, according so to the Old Testament. He shows that Jesus Christ is the Messiah mm-hmm. according to Scripture, not just some newfangled interpretation. So it's not as though Paul is quoting himself. He's like, hey, hey, Joe, Jew in the synagogue on Sabbath morning, I am telling you that Jesus is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. He's the risen one, yada, yada, yada. And they're like, how do you know? He's like, well, I told you 10 minutes ago. Right. He's like, no, no, no. Yeah, Paul, Paul isn't like, turn to the book of Romans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would very likely point them to the book of Psalms. Exactly. Or the book of Deuteronomy, yeah. which is literally exactly what happens in what Hebrews we're chapter so, one. So if, if you've ever wished that you could hear what Paul might have mm-hmm. said to the Jews as he's going from town to town to preach the gospel... Mm-hmm. This very likely is the Cliff Notes version of that. 100%. This is his online curriculum. Yeah. He comes into a synagogue and he's like, yo, the constellation of Israel has come. The promised Messiah that was testified in scripture. They're like, pray tell this madman what he speaketh of. (laughs) Right. And he he, he makes this allusion to several places. Right. I think the first one is this Psalm 2. Mm -hmm. Psalm 2 verse 7. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And. Many would understand this to be the uh, the figure of David, right? Right. But this is exactly what Stephen talks about in his sermon when he's like, hey, the bones of David are still here, right? Mm-hmm. Or Peter, hey, the bones of David are still here. When Peter yeah. talks about that in his sermon, the bones of David are still here. But we have seen this one resurrected in power as the son of God, right? Ah, so the resurrection is the thing that he points to to say that it couldn't have just been David. Absolutely. That mm-hmm. it's more. Certainly there's this local application, but there's this greater application that was pointing to. And not to get too far in the weeds here, but there is, again, Hebrews is cosmic as a book. Sure. And there is a cosmic backdrop. When this idiom and this language of son of God is being used, yep. son of God seemingly in the old testament is a reference to some sort of supernatural being it's Hmm. not just merely um okay not supernatural someone who belongs in the uh divine council i think michael heiser would use this language right which is very helpful someone that belongs to the divine council what do we mean that god actually god you know triune god administers the uh the cosmos through uh a council and he's not in charge of it. Like, he delegates authority. Right? Sure. And so that every single 
angel that we understand as an angel has an appropriate function. There are seraphim, there are cherubim, there are uh, these these messengers. There is the role of the hasatan, the accuser, right? Because that's actually a legal role, oh. right? Um, and so there are all, all these roles, right? Well, there is a category, B'nai Elohim, the sons of God. You see it in Deuteronomy 32, Psalm 82, Psalm 89, and a whole host of other places where the designation of son of God, right, mm-hmm. is a designation of someone who has geographical authority a la Adam who mm-hmm. is the son of God mm-hmm. right and belongs to the divine council precisely because they have geographical authority mm-hmm. so in Hebrews chapter 1 when it talks about you are my son today I have begotten you there is this tapestry this backdrop of this sonship language mm-hmm. and how it relates to the cosmic council the divine council who belongs in it and who it is that actually has right of place someone like david did not have right in the divine council but Mm. someone who has actually come from heaven to earth is resurrected has access to uh, uh, this divine council has a place. So to hold to the idea of david being the only and full kind of fulfillment of this passage is missing part of the pe- uh, part of the picture because <laughs> David, as great of a king as he was, uh-huh. only ruled the kingdom of Israel. Israel at the time yeah, yeah. didn't rule over China. Yep. Certainly didn't rule over yep. what was happening in South America yep. or wherever else in the world that yep. things might have been happening yep. during that time. And yet, one of the things that it said here is that that this figure should rule over everything. And then, I mean, you get to verse six, and when he brings the firstborn into the world, mm-hmm. this language of the firstborn, which again is about cosmic rulership, mm-hmm. right? This this firstborn from the dead mm-hmm. who is rightfully ruler precisely because they conquered death, right? The firstborn from that, think Adam, who is the firstborn of, of the race, right? Mm-hmm. So the firstborn has this uh, primary status to actually rule. Think about uh, the law of the primogenitor, meaning the firstborn in a family and how they were the ones that inherited the role of the patriarch Mm-hmm. In, a, in a family. So this firstborn language is important. But look at the uh, the, the uh, command there in verse 6. Let all God's angels worship him. Hmm. So this is hugely problematic if this is David the created mm-hmm. being who's just a man who fell short mm-hmm. many times, killed that one dude, mm-hmm. slept with that mm-hmm. one wife, and did all the things mm-hmm. that he shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Why One, created being, mm-hmm. why would anyone worship him? Exactly. And specifically, two, why would they worship David specifically with all of the fo- faults and foibles and all the mm-hmm. mess-ups that he's had? That makes absolutely zero sense. And this contrast that you're actually going down the line, if you're like saying there's David, but then there's this language of the son that's worshipped by the angels, it can't merely be David because of his limitations as a human, and this one who is worshipped is worshipped by the angels, mm-hmm. and we know that David isn't worshipped by the angels. Who's actually worshipped by the angels, and who are angels to actually have someone that is worthy of their worship yeah why would if why would humanity of anyone representing humanity and and specifically fallen humanity be worshiped by angels and then this is why then it moves of the angels he says he makes his angels wins and ministers a flame of fire so the angels minister in this metaphor like a wind they are subservient to this thing but they're even supra again they are beyond the realm of of ah. the earth. So I, I, the picture I immediately think of is like the Flash or Hermes, maybe yeah. more classical yeah. ideas. Like, man, they're supernatural beings. They're doing all these things. Blah, blah, blah. It's like flashes uh, of light. And we're uh, like, whoa, whoa, what's going uh, on? And they show up 
Hermes or a Flash, whatever, right? If you following this sort of um, illustration, they show up and they serve humanity. It makes no sense. Right? But humanity is not worshipped by them mm. because they come from the throne of God to yeah. actually minister like a wind, like a fire. I think about that image or that scene. Is it League of, uh, is it League of Justice League um, where you have that one scene where the Flash cuts through time and mm-hmm. he comes to Ben Affleck's Batman as Ben Affleck's Batman is sleeping and he rises up. Sure. And then, do you remember this scene, uh-huh, the one uh-huh. I'm talking about? Uh, I don't think that ever got resolved. Uh, yeah. DC, Half of the you story, work that well, out. they did the long, ex- did you still watch the Snyder's work it out. Yeah, it still okay. didn't work it out. Anyway. <laughs> it was better. There was less threads that were yeah, left yeah, undone. Yeah, yeah. It still didn't work it out. But it's, it's that sort of scene where, you know, you have an angel, like a wind, like a fire, who ministers mankind. But that wind, that fire, right, in this illustration, like the Flash, or like Hermes, like you said, isn't then worshiping this human. Yeah. Why would I give you the message that you've never heard, that you've never heard the good news? Yeah. I give you the message and then I fall, fall down at your feet. It makes absolutely no sense. This is the logic of Hebrews 1 because look at verse mm. 8. But the son, but of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. O God, ah. it's forever and ever. The scepter of our rightness is the scepter of your kingdom. And uh, this language, this is, uh, is this Psalm 104, Psalm 45. Psalms 45, 6 and 7. Psalm 45. You have loved righteousness. You've hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness and beyond your companions. Huh? Yeah. yeah. So God anoints God. God? Yeah. Right? He's so, taking a bath. <laughs> yeah, man. There's this, there's this, again, man, this is what I'm talking about. You, you dwell on this stuff a little bit, and it's this cosmic unveiling of a figure who has celestial rule and is somehow tethered to humanity, but is even greater than the angels. And that's why he's worshiped by the angels. Mm. But the language that's used about him is the mysteries of the Old Testament that were limited application to David, but were actually a revelation of this figure that was to come. Did the did the Hebrews at the time, did they feel like their understanding of the Old Testament or scriptures to them, did they feel like it was incomplete? Like would, would the average Hebrew or maybe the more educated Hebrew have looked at these passages and felt this somewhat like tension, this conflict, and like, would these follow-up questions have risen in their minds? At well, the certainly we see historically that there is, one, the expectation of the Messiah, and sure. then that ex- messianic expectation is stewarded by different groups hmm. of uh, people in the Israelite community. There, there is no one monolithic Israelite community, as okay. it were, right? Sure. I mean, you have different, when Jesus shows up, you have the Pharisees, you have the Sadducees, you have the Essenes, you have Zealots. You have everybody who has some expectation of the Messiah to some degree or another, but then their expectations are all framed and colored a little differently, but there certainly is the expectation of something or someone, right? Got it. And so when uh, Paul or anyone else would show up on the scene and claim, oh, that person over there or I, whoever that person might be, mm-hmm. like I am that person mm-hmm. that everyone's been pointing forward mm-hmm. to, it wouldn't have felt crazy like Christians would be like, oh, there's Jesus. Like, get out of here. Come mm-hmm. on. Like, yeah, of course, you person on the street corner, you're Jesus. Yeah, I rule. Mm-hmm. But in that context, the idea of someone claiming or being ascribed to as Messiah mm-hmm. would have been somewhat normal like everyone's looking for this well there's the expectation right okay there's the expectation of a messiah and whether or not he's going to be a merely human military figure that conquers through the power of yahweh if he is some sort of supernatural being that is like the angel of the lord right that actually coincidentally ends up being jesus himself but that's a whole nother thing right um 
there is that expectation. Hmm. However, when the expectation is met with the reality of Jesus as a peasant, mm-hmm. it's like, nah, I can't be. But then this peasant is doing all of this miraculous work that seems to be in agreement with the messianic expectations of the text, particularly him casting out demons. Uh-huh. That's, a, that's a messianic expectation that was actually rooted in the story of David, right? Okay. There's an amazing podcast Michael Heiser does on this one. The, um, his works, like his miracles, this is absolutely the work of God mm-hmm. through a person, right? Ultimately, him calling Lazarus from the dead, like particularly you, you, you follow this trajectory of, say, the book of John, and it's this continual revelation that he is not only this supernatural being, but that he is the God of Israel himself. Hmm. So that in his appearing, his appearing is in keeping with an expectation, but that expectation is framed different by different groups, right? I mean, Mm. listen, they were reading Daniel 9. Yeah. They knew the 490 years were over. Hmm. They were expecting. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't, this is, this is well known and attested that, you know, the 490 years were like, ah, it's about up. Something's Hmm. happening here, right? So he was well well expected. Little did they know that he would be this sort of figure, Hmm. right? Yeah. And that he's the sort of figure that's even greater than the angels. And the question then is, oh, Who's greater than the angels? And then if you follow that, Paul wrote this. Paul is using their scriptures to demonstrate to them that the one who is greater than the angels is God himself in the person of Jesus in the same way that God himself manifested himself as the angel of the Lord Mm. back in our stories. Right. So this is all at work. This is uh, fascinating. Yeah, the idea of being able to, because 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 reading through Hebrews has been it, it has felt inaccessible. But sure, when I yeah. look at it from the perspective, like this is just what Paul would have said to the Hebrews, mm-hmm. which like duh, because that's yeah. what the book Hebrews kind uh-huh. of like is all predicated. Like uh-huh. they'll connect the dots, Justin. This is right there. But when I understand it as what this would is, God have said to the Hebrews <laughs> yeah. if there were only a book. <laughs> Directed to the Hebrews. When I understand the book of Hebrews as what someone like Paul would have said to a skeptical audience living in the context of the the, the, the Israelites kind of backdrop, with wrestling through the identity of the Messiah and is Jesus it and how could we possibly know? This book starts to this make a little it. bit more sense. Right, and let's, let's, let's look how it closes. Verse right. 10. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. Creative. Right, creative properties, creative powers, <laughs> and the heavens are the work of your hands. Mm. They will perish, but you remain. They mm. all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. This is Psalm one ten. Uh, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I think so. It's Psalm one ten. Oh no, no, one o ten. One o two. One o two. Psalm one o two. Yeah, one o ten. One o two. And then, yeah, the conclusion. So it's like, and oh, so sorry, t- no, no, you're right, you're right. Uh, that sorry, was one ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one ten. Sorry, I, I got my notes wrong. No, no worries. And to which of the angels has he ever said, "Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet"? Right? Mm. This culmination is like, yo, this is the unveiling of the cosmic Messiah. So, so not to just congratulate myself and pat myself on the back, but last episode when, I'm, when I said it sounds like what he's trying to communicate is Jesus is a big deal. Yeah, a huge deal, huge <laughs> deal, right? Like the. And the using, biggest deal. Yeah. The biggest deal. And using their scriptures to point, 
listen, he's worshipped by the angels. Yeah. He's, he's created everything. Created everything. He's eternal. Never changes. He's referenced by God as the son of God. And, and watch this one. God anoints him. And calls and, him. And speaks highly of him. Right? As though he's attesting to him a superiority. Wow. That's rough. That's that's hard to, to wiggle out of. Think about that. Yeah. Like when you have the supreme God is talking about this being in a way that he sees him as great as he is and in some humble attestation even elevates him in priority, right? Yeah. yeah. Like that's how many <laughs> how many fingers would you have given? today if someone said i'll give you a time machine you can go back to seeing paul interact with some hebrews mm -hmm. as he's presenting this and to hear the back and forth is there a certain number of fingers that you'd be willing to give I'd for give that this pinky right away <laughs> you can take it awesome Sounds Here good. It 